the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology, out of the ivory tower and back into the hands of the invisible church. Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Thanks for listening in. Today we are doing what I call a Streetwise Theology Exchange, where I've asked two friends of mine, Smith and Selu, to come down into my basement. Um, we're going to discuss uh, Mormonism and its effect on Christianity and Christianity and its effect on Mormonism. We're going to talk about differences, problems that we have with either one or you know maybe some similarities. Um, they've agreed to come down and talk with us. With me, I have uh, my brother Dave. Dave's down Yo. here. Uh, so uh, I also have with me Smith mm-hmm. and Selu. You guys are from Utah. Uh, you guys have been in the area for how long? I've been here for four and a half, five months. Four and a half, five months. Okay. And Selu, you've been here for about two weeks. Yeah, I've been here for about two weeks. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, Smith, go ahead and uh, introduce, <coughs> yourself, introduce yourself, Smith, and um, tell us you know, uh, where you come from. And uh, what you, I think you graduated from seminary, so go ahead and talk about mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm Elder Smith. We're missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. People call us Mormons. Yes. And um, I was born in San Diego, California, moved to St. George. Okay. And then uh, went to high school there, went okay. to seminary. It's a little different seminary from probably what most people think of. Yes, yes. And then, um, yeah, after high school, we had the opportunity to send in basically like a resume okay. of us wanting to serve a mission, a mission. And they um, pray about where we go. And they, Philadelphia is where they sent me. And Philadelphia is where they sent you. Now, you, okay, so you've been to Philadelphia, and you also told me earlier some interesting story about Wilmington, Wilmington Delaware. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've kind of been around all over the East Coast, actually, or maybe even this just this region, maybe. Yeah, Pennsylvania. East Coast. I've been to Doylestown, PA, okay. all the way down to Cambridge, Maryland. Okay, and how this came about was I was down here messing with this, and I heard a knock on my door, and there was Smith and Salou up there, and we sat down. We talked about Mormonism and Christianity for about an hour. And uh, they asked if they could come back and talk, and um, so here they are. And again, here we have Selu. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Selu, and uh, where you're from and all that. All right, cool. So I'm Elder Selu, and uh, I'm from Utah as well, Lehigh, Utah. And, you know, I was born and raised there my whole life. And, you know, also went to seminary, graduated for from four years. And so, yeah, I sent in my resume, as they would call it, mm-hmm. and I got... Sent out here. Okay, you sent out here to lovely. You said you've uh, already been here a month so far, correct? Yeah. Uh, okay, so one month in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so one month in, uh, as opposed to Smith, who's been here for nineteen months. Yep. Nineteen months. Okay. Well, <laughs> I want to say officially. I know I said it before. I say officially, welcome you guys to Pennsylvania. Thank welcome you. Welcome to Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, uh, we've frequented many times as one of the most dangerous cities in the United States. <laughs> of all places. Yes. Mm. Uh, of uh, not something we're uh, kind of proud of it, kind of <laughs> not. You know, because uh, we're making it better. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're doing what we can. <laughs> That's we're good. making Absolutely. it better. Absolutely. <laughs> so they came here tonight to talk about Mormonism. Um, and, uh, or, you know, their beliefs in, uh, the book of Mormon, they gave me a book, uh, on Thursday night. Um, I, I read through some of it, obviously I didn't read through the whole thing. Um, and, and Smith, if, you, if I remember correctly, you said when you came to believe in the faith in Mormon, uh, Mormonism, mm-hmm. or, uh, I'm going to use that term tonight, pretty yeah, much Mormonism to, to, for, uh, um, brevity's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, when you came to faith in Mormonism, you hadn't even read the whole thing. If I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Never read the whole thing. 
Okay. Or I have now, but. So you guys challenged me to go through and read, and I read some things. I, I looked up some quotes from Joseph Smith to kind of figure out what kind of guy he is, because you know, you, also on Thursday night you said you know you know profit by his fruit. You know mm-hmm. the Deuteronomy 18 passage is pretty damning when it comes to somebody who comes up with a prophecy but it doesn't come true. It's like that's you know it's off with your head pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, that's that's a very serious accusation of somebody who is a false prophet. Now, uh, let me start with uh, by saying that there is, I looked up uh, one of the quotes from Second Nephi, or is it Nephi? Nephi. 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 Oh, <laughs> wrong on both accounts. Second <laughs> Nephi, um, two verses, uh, I'm sorry, Second Nephi 25, uh, 23. Um, I, I looked up that passage, and it says here, uh, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Now, you guys told me to read it and check it out and see, see what I think about it and all that kind of stuff. And I hear is, a, I don't know if anyone's challenged me. Maybe, uh, Smith, I, I'd imagine you've probably been challenged on this before. But I look at this, and I say, okay, there's a there's Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in the, in the Scriptures that says, he, he kind of semi-quotes it, and he says, you know, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should, should boast. Mm-hmm. And I read here in Second Nephi that it says that we are saved after all we can do. And I'm looking at these two verses. I'm comparing them back to back, and they're not saying the same thing. And I'm looking at that going, okay, something's not adding up here. So you want to explain what he's saying here, uh, mm-hmm. Smith? Maybe um, maybe I'm reading it wrong. I mean, it doesn't look like I am because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it looks like he's throwing in actions there. So what verse is that? You said 25, 23? Uh, 25, 23. 25, 23. So this is the prophet Nephi at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. Uh-huh. Lehi comes from Jerusalem. Yes. And his son is a uh, very holy son, listens to his father, and uh, believes in Christ very strongly. Yes. And uh, they have the Bible, the uh, five books of Moses and everything as they had it. But uh, he starts quoting some words of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. He really loves the prophet Isaiah and for some reason can understand him because I have a hard time with that. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, apparently Israel did too. <laughs> You said Second Nephi was what again? The twenty-five, twenty-three. No, 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 no. Uh, what part of the Book of Mormon was it? Um, so it's the second book, it's first second Nephi, book. and then okay. Second Nephi. Yeah, it's the second book. Yeah, it's okay. it's it's one of the first things you read as you're reading through, you know, the the Book of Mormon. So I mean, again, when I when I read this, you know, I you know I I don't believe in works based salvation. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's 100% grace, 100% mm-hmm. grace, you know, and if I was to ever try to justify myself before the Lord by my good works, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, talking about accurately translating the Bible, um, when it comes to uh, God saying to Israel, hey, I know your righteous works, and they are to me as filthy rags. Do you know what the literal translation of that is? <laughs> Menstrual garments. Mm. Like, I mean, it's so it's so filthy to him that he's like, I, you, the good deeds that you've done, that's how much they mean to me. You know, you can't justify yourself on good works. And here's Nephi saying it is by grace we're saved after all we can do. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says it is by grace you're saved not, uh, uh, in spite of what you can mm-hmm. do. 
So, so wait, what was it in the Bible? Sorry. Second uh, Ephesians two eight and nine. Ephesians. So at the same time, James, when he's talking about faith in James chapter two, he says, yes. "Faith without works is dead." Bingo. Being alone. Yes. So, faith we believe is an, it's an action principle okay. for us to turn on our phone. We yes. have to actually click the button to see it turn on. Yes. I mean, unless we got Siri somehow, but uh, right. Yes. That's why faith is important. Mm-hmm. So we believe at the same time that. You know, not for us to. For us simply to be saved, it's it's that believing in Christ. Okay. And believing, you know, I could I could believe the Eagles will win. Right. <laughs> yes. See, that's uh, taking place. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But uh, that's as, so nice. as that's I, a strong <laughs> faith, brother. Yeah. I, you know, I, I believe in that. For I guess for me to to make that happen, you know, I. Got to get all their cellu up there playing right. football for them, something right. like that. <laughs> no. So for me to believe in Christ, I gotta, I have to do something. Uh-huh. I feel I don't think, uh, I feel that we're all saved by His grace, mm-hmm. but we hear about like people who break the commandments in the Bible That's right. and how like they're damnable heresies and stuff like that. Right. So with those being in place, it's like if they, you know, say they believe in Christ and do those things, you know, they're they don't have any good works as well. Right. And so, uh, my question yeah. is in James chapter two. Um, I think the context. I want to argue context here for a little bit mm-hmm. because the context of that passage is not justification by works. He's not talking about this is how we're justified: faith and works. He's mm-hmm. not placing them side by side and saying you got to have faith and you got to have works. Because because it looks like that's what Nephi is saying here: you got to have faith and you got to have works. Mm-hmm. Because if you just is by grace that we are saved and you left out after all we can do, then I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a problem. But he adds that in there, and he had that in there for a reason, I imagine. You know, uh, I mean, if, if it really is the word of, of the Lord. And and when you look at James 2, he's saying that we're justified. Um, he's not talking about justification. He's talking about this is how I know somebody's actually a believer. I can see his fruit. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Nephi is saying here. He's saying we're saved by grace after all that we can do. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm here to tell you that there are people, uh, John the Baptist apparently was regenerate from the womb. So what did he do to become regenerate? Nothing. You know, he he, mm-hmm. he couldn't even think, but he was apparently regenerate from the from the womb. He leaped at the sound of Mary's voice, and I, I mean, I, I disagree strongly with this verse when it comes. If if it is saying what what I think he's saying mm-hmm. on there that 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 there's somehow some sort of work involved with my personal salvation, and I you know I look at the scriptures and they're clear all the time that you know we're wicked and sinful, we cannot save ourselves. And if Nephi is saying what I think he's saying here, then you know I I pretty much have to say okay, I, I can't subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm coming from there. So I, I, that's that's one that's one issue I have um, with with Mormonism. Uh, I mean, as far as the Book of Mormon, I should say. Mm-hmm. Another thing I, I was I was looking up some of the quotes of Joseph Smith, and maybe you guys um, have have read these, and maybe you guys know what I'm talking about here. Um, I'm gonna look up um, this this what he says here in the History of the Church, Volume Six, uh, pages three hundred three through three hundred four. He says this, I want to ask this congregation, every man, woman, and child, to answer the question in their own heart, what kind of being God is? Does any man or woman know? Have any of you seen him, heard him, or communed with him? God himself was once as we are now, and is an exalted man, and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. That is the great secret. If the veil were rent today, and the great God who holds this world in its orbit, and who, who upholds all worlds and all things by his power, was to make himself visible... I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, 
like yourselves and all uh, the person, image, and very form as a man. For Adam was created in the very fashion, image, and likeness of God and received instruction from him and walked, talked, and conversed with him as one man talks and communes with another. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for certainty that the character of God and to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another and that he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did, and I will show it from the Bible. Now, I read something like that, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, I, I think I understand what you're saying mm -hmm. uh, there, uh, Joe. Um, and then I go to Isaiah uh, chapter 43, and I read in verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, this, this same Lord who Joseph Smith said was once a man and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. And I know that, uh, if I understand it correctly, one of the tenets of Mormonism is that we shall be gods, right? And Mike. God, yeah. God-like, mm -hmm. like, like unto God-like. Okay, are we going to be gods? Or are we going to be God-like? God-like. God-like. We're not going to be gods. Yeah, like my my father, you know, my mom give birth to me. Uh -huh. You know, I'll be like my dad, but I won't be my dad. Okay. My dad is always, you know, top dog. Okay, right. Okay, so so you're not saying that we're going to be gods? We're we're not going to be gods. No. Okay. All we right. we can be... become like God. Like, okay. What what is like God to you? Well, I would say when when you grow up. I'm, it's not right. I mean, like when you're a kid, yeah, you I, learn I things you. and you progress. Uh -huh. When when I'm your age, now I'm sure I'll have a, a greater knowledge of things. Right. But think of eternities after eternities, that after after we die, resurrected, living mm -hmm. with Father in heaven. Yes. Think of all the eternities. There's obviously more things we can learn mm -hmm. to where we are coming closer to becoming like God. Okay. To where there's an eternal progression. God's you know, clear up there. If not, if there isn't an end, that's, right. that's him. Right. But we can always get closer to becoming like God. Okay. All right. You, okay. Are, are, would you say that we're becoming like God right now? I would say very slowly. <laughs> like, you know, if you figure out a math problem, God already knew that. And you're like, oh, sweet. Now I know something, you know, God, God right. knows. Okay. So what do, you, what do you guys think about Joseph Smith saying that God was once a man? I mean, I, mean, I, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But if, if it's true that Joseph Smith, Smith is, is arguing, and I can, he says I can prove it from the Bible, that, that God was once a man like us, mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, what do you guys think about that? What are your thoughts? Uh, one thing that comes to mind is knowing that Jesus Christ, you know, he's, he's Jehovah, mm -hmm. and he says that in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And Jehovah is the God of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Like, that's his role. Yes. And so he comes from God down to being a man. And so he walks and talks and communes, like, converses with us. Uh -huh. And, you know, that's him being like a man. Mm -hmm. And when he dies and is resurrected, he's perfected as a man. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what I think of that. It's just... Okay, um, Dub, you are going to say something? I was going to ask, uh, you, you mentioned when he dies and resurrected, uh, that, that not is not in the person of Jesus Christ, or it is? It is. Okay, so, so you so, do believe in the resurrection, that yes. he did rise from the dead, and that he's sitting at the right hand of God, but you don't believe that he is God. Yeah, he's sitting no. at the right hand of God. But you God. don't believe he is God. You believe, uh, so you don't believe in the Trinity, really? Yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, that's probably another issue I have with mm -hmm. uh, the Book of Mormon, or Mormonism, shall I say, is mm -hmm. that, you know, the the doctrine, uh, like, I, like when I pointed out to you guys on Thursday, that, you know, here you see God sitting enthroned on the temple, uh, and, and the glory of God, and this is John 12, 41, mm -hmm. 
where it says, you know, Isaiah, here's Jesus, and Isaiah saw him and spoke of him and clearly identifies Yahweh as Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when I when I look at that and I read stuff like, you know, uh, what Joseph Smith is saying, that, you know, there are three different people, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, okay, um, that's that's a different Christ than what the Christ, the, than the Christ of the gospel, the Christ of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, now, now we're in the territory of, of Mormonism preaching a different bi- Christ than what I believe in. And more importantly, what I believe in, what the Bible teaches, the objective standard of who Christ is, is the Bible. And if it's true that Joseph Smith is preaching a different Jesus, then that, uh, according to 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11. That wouldn't be good. Yeah, it would not be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would pretty much identify him as anathema and mm-hmm. should not be followed. And so I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the... Um, I mean, here's his quote right here. The doctrine of the polarity of God is as prominent in the Bible as any other doctrine. The head God organized the heavens and earth. I defy all the world to refute me. In the beginning, the heads of the gods organized the heavens and earth. I think he's referring to the Elohim there. Now mm-hmm. the learned priests and the people rage and the heathen imagine a vain thing. If we pursue the Hebrew text further, it reads, The head of one of the gods said, Let us make a man our image. I once asked a learned Jew if the Hebrew language compels us to render all words ending in him. In the plural, why not render the first Elohim plural? And he replied, that is the rule with few exceptions. But in this case, it would ruin the Bible. He acknowledged I was right. In the very beginning, the Bible shows there's a plurality of gods beyond the power of refutation. It is a great subject I am dwelling on. The word Elohim ought to be in the plural all the way through gods. The head heads of the gods appointed one God for us. And when you take that view of the subject, it sets one free to see all the beauty, holiness, and perfection of the gods, capital G, there, all I want is to get the simple naked truth and the whole truth. Okay, what are your thoughts on that? I saw you uh, reacting to it over there, Sid. Yeah. So <clears throat> he talks about the plurality of gods. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Elohim and Jehovah. Mm-hmm. You know, and we know that Jesus Christ is Jehovah. Okay. So we know that. So there's one being. Mm-hmm. In order for there to be two, you know, Elohim has to be God mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so that's how in... Uh, John 8, it's John 8, mm-hmm. sorry. Verse 11. Yeah, verse 11. So we believe that the God of the Old Testament, every time it talks about God, is Jehovah. Uh-huh. We believe Jehovah is Jesus Christ. Jehovah is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, then who's Yahweh? So Yahweh, I'm not studied up on this. Okay. What, um, would you say Yahweh is an alternate name for Jehovah, or is that... Um, I, I think, if I remember correctly, Jehovah was a term uh, made up by the Jews so that they would not say Yahweh, because if you were to use Yahweh incorrectly, that was a death penalty. Yeah, it's a holy name. Yeah, it's a holy name. So they were like, okay, we'll use it when we're like very serious about, when we're not like you know talking about God, if I remember correctly. But we're going to say Jehovah until until then. Mm-hmm. But if, if we're talking about the God of the Old Testament, you know, uh, the one... Uh, where the burning bush, where he says, I am that I am, he says, I am, what's, who are you, says Moses? I'm Yahweh. All right? And if that's the God of the Old Testament, that's also Jehovah. And if that's also Jehovah, then it's also Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the argument I'm making, that the Trinity, it does indeed exist. Yeah. Uh, one God, three distinct persons. But it's the same, it's the same God. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're not each other, but it is all the same God. Obviously, it makes sense in the fact that... Um, it, it, it makes sense in that since God is uh, infinitely more superior than us, that we mm-hmm. can't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't understand a lot what he tells us, what he explained to us. 
Um, but you know, we can't understand just like a dog can't, it doesn't have the mental capacity to understand me. I can explain as much as I want as a dog to a dog, but he does not have the mental capacity. A being that is less than a greater being cannot fully understand it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it makes sense to me in that way. Obviously I can't bring any sort of earthly example to say, Oh, this, this is what the Trinity is like. I heard one guy try to say, well, the Trinity makes sense because God is like the sun, that Jesus is the beams. God is the warmth and the Holy spirit is the light. Mm-hmm. Um, not really buying it because those are three different things. Mm-hmm. There is no really earthly thing as, as the argument I'm making to point to say this is what the Trinity is like because mm-hmm. the Trinity is not like anything out here on earth. So, okay, so go ahead. Um, I was I was talking about the the plurality of gods, mm-hmm. and I think Smith, you were going to say something. Yeah. So I, we were we were looking this up a couple nights ago because you brought up that question. Yes. And uh, Jesus Christ is God of Old Testament is what we believe. Okay. And uh, I was trying to think how we can explain why we believe that, how um, how in the scriptures it, it says that, because I do get where, where, where you're saying that they would, they would all be the same. Mm. But we believe they're separate because in the New Testament there's a scripture, in there's, there's a lot of scriptures where Christ is saying, you know, I'm the Son, the Father has sent me. Mm-hmm. I came not to do my will, but him that sent yes. me. Yes, yes. And John 8 verse, let's see, what is this? 17 what's happening is the pharisees are telling him that he bears record of himself mm-hmm. and that it's not true right and jesus answered and said to them though i bear record of myself yet my record is true then he goes on to say you know i judge you judge after the flesh i judge no man yes in verse 17 he says christ he says it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Mm-hmm. So with those scriptures, and when Christ is on the uh, on the cross, he says, "Father, why has thou forsaken me?" Right. Yes. We, you know, he, we believe he he can't forsake himself mm-hmm. to where I, I don't know how that would work. Right. Um. Uh, if you guys remember, do you remember the the word he uses to call uh, God? Uh, it's. Uh... It was the singular version p- word of mm-hmm. Elohim. It was Eloi singular singular form of that yeah right. so when it says the elohim it makes sense because it talks about father son and holy spirit it uses mm-hmm. the same word to describe all three okay and it makes sense for jesus to say elohi because he's the same person okay. you know what i'm saying um and and in that same passage uh in the same chapter john chapter eight um uh, would you would okay? What are your thoughts? Let me find out real quick. What what are your thoughts on the God that encountered Abraham? Is that Jesus or is that God? That's Jesus. That is Jesus. Oh, Yahweh is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then yeah, then this is Jehovah. Okay, which is Jehovah. Yeah. Okay, um, then then where where's this third God come from? Uh, we learn mostly about him in the in the New Testament. In the New Testament, so he so wasn't spoken of in the Old Testament. I think very briefly in the, in Genesis one one it, it talks about uh, when God is forming Adam he says let us go down and form man in our own image he okay. uses you know our us our again to where there's obviously a couple of them so we believe that Jesus Christ is obviously our eldest brother that he is you know foreordained for this okay. uh, to come die for our sins and to be resurrected yes and stands at the right hand of God obviously the the ultimate. Uh, angel son of god there is right so okay um uh, so so this 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 ultimate god is not the god of the old testament we we don't even we don't even see a mention with with the exception of maybe genesis mm-hmm. is the only place that we see this god yes okay and and, and the reason we, we believe that is because of 
what Jesus says about the Father. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Jesus does act under the direction of God, you know, his Father. Okay. Now, now, now the Jews pick up rocks to stone him, right? Yes. Yep. Um, because he identifies himself as God. A as. God or the God? Well, when he says, I am, they take it literally. Like he right. Believes He's referring God. to when... He says, "I am, I am, the I am." I am, and 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 you're making the argument that he's referring back to himself at the burning bush, which was, yes, because they, they say before Abraham was, or he says before Abraham was, I am. Okay. So we believe Jesus Christ was was the God of the Old Testament, where that was him. Okay. With, with him at the burning. Th- then bush. who's this God in Isaiah 43 that says, um, you know, before me no God was formed, and nor shall there be any after me? Who's is this Jesus or is this the God? Well, for Jesus, there's nobody else who can die for our sins. So therefore, for us, he is, he is the very superior. He's, he's God for us, as well, as well as God, Father in heaven, which he, is, he created us. Right, but I'm asking you about this, I, this mm-hmm. Isaiah passage when he says, Before we know God was formed, now shall there be any after me. Is this, this, is this the God, or is this Jesus? Jesus Christ. You think Jesus Christ? So, so, so how is he saying that there was no God formed before him, if it's Jesus, because obviously you guys believe God created Jesus, correct? Yes, yeah. but he was so, the very first. Okay, so how can you say that no, there was no God before me? Because obviously there was. There was the God. Yeah. And, and then he says to boot, there shall won't, won't be anything after me. So, so if, yeah. if, if he is making the argument mm-hmm. and, and that we can be like Jesus, either Jesus is saying here, no one, uh, the people who come after me when we go to heaven and we attain the exaltation, you're still not going to be like me because he's saying... You, you you know when you, no one's going to be like me after me exactly so and why is that uh i believe that's because i mean i mean, i i'm not referring to the exaltation mm-hmm. in my beliefs i'm just asking you what you think about yeah. your beliefs obviously i don't think we're gonna um i, I don't believe in the exaltation like, the same way you guys do okay. i believe in the resurrection of the body i mean uh i believe in the resurrection of the dead i don't believe in necessarily the exaltation and the um if i if i'm representing you guys correctly um uh, get your own world and all that kind of stuff. I, I hope I'm not right. I mean, that's stuff I've read, no, but I'm not the, sure, yeah. sure. To put it bluntly. Right. Yes, to put it bluntly. Um, but here it says, no God was formed, now sh- nor shall there be any. When I read that, I'm like going, okay, this guy's eternal. Mm-hmm. There's no one before him. And and I, I'm saying, how can this be Je- uh, How can this be Jesus saying this um, if Jesus was formed? And, he, and he, he makes a statement, there was no one before me. So no God before me. And, and I'm looking at this going, okay, there was. Does that make Jesus a liar is my question. Obviously, you guys don't believe he's a liar, but how can you reconcile that? So a lot of people talk about John 1, 1. How it says in the beginning was God and God and the Word was with God. In the beginning God. was the Word. Yeah, the Word was with yeah. God. The Word was God. Yes. Yeah. So we believe the Word is Jesus Christ. And that when it says in the beginning was God, that's God the Father. Mm-hmm. And, and then, sorry, you want to quote that again? <laughs> Yeah, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was mm-hmm. with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Nothing, I believe, well, I'm paraphrasing now. Yeah. But nothing that's been made. Basically, it's saying that everything was made through Christ. Jesus created. Mm-hmm. The Word that He's referred to as Christ mm-hmm. was with God and was with Him in the beginning. Yeah. And what? And it doesn't just say it was with Him. The Word mm-hmm. was God. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that was a good question, too, is how you would interpret that. But I think that's what you're about to get into anyway. Yeah, so Christ being the firstborn of all the spirit children that God has made. Like all the brothers and sisters that have ever been here on this earth who will be are sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. And so Christ being the eldest, which is a first formed, he was his beloved son, mm-hmm. his, his only begotten. 
to where there there was no other one before him. He he was he was a god for us, for for everyone, and there will be none after because none of us will be able to die for ourselves, like for our sins, and so there will never ever be one like him again. Would be ultimately there is no one who can do that sacrifice to to be at his I guess level you would say. Okay. Um, do you, do you think you can get come to that conclusion without the Book of Mormon? I don't think so. Okay. All right. So, so the the Book of Mormon uh, after the introduction of the Book of Mormon, um, it, it causes us to go back and reinterpret Scripture. Is that is is that true? I mean, yeah. it certainly happened for the Mormons. I mean, back in the day, because they went back and they said, "Okay, the Book of Mormon. Okay, let's read it. Oh, this changes things, right? Because if it's true what you said, mm-hmm. I cannot come to that cl- conclusion without the Book of Mormon." Yes. So we believe the Book of Mormon is the keystone of our religion, like a keystone in an archway for a door. Okay. That the Book of Mormon's there. Christ is the cornerstone, but the, the keystone where if the Book of Mormon wasn't true, our church wouldn't exist. Our church would just be another sect out there. So it's infallible. We we would say it is infallible, yes. But the Bible itself is fallible. Yes. Okay. Okay. So okay. So we have the infallible Book of Mormon and the fallible Bible. Yes. Okay. All right. That's important. Because of what, and the Bible's fallible because of what the Book of Mormon says about it. No, we don't have the original writings, manuscripts of the Bible. Therefore, it was interpreted and changed and translated by, by men. We we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. How. There's so many translations. Why isn't there just one perfect translation like this is the Bible? Whereas if there was, then the interpretation would be perfectly straight. And there yeah, would well, be I mean, one. It's, it goes back to I don't know. Do, do you know how the Bible was interpreted? Like, and how how they how we got to have our English version here? Which one? Well, there's Are you I mean, there's just the original English one. Well, I think I think if you misinterpret the Bible, you get you get start to get books like the Book of Mormon. I think when when you when you deviate from it, that's what you start to get. Okay. Not not our English version of what we have here, because because our English ver- the original King James version, you know, it's not like we interpret the Bible from um, it gets it gets translated from Hebrew and Greek, which is the original text, mm-hmm. to Chinese to German to, you know, it's kind of like people think of it as like whispered down the alley, and then each time it gets to the next person, it gets different and changed. Yeah, the, the original like King that. James mm-hmm. version we have is is an English translation from the original. Greek and Hebrew text is it's one translation one if you would call it uh, um, passage deep you know not not thousands like a lot of people think it is mm-hmm. and so it's not like it's interpreted and reinterpreted and reinterpreted these are all versions all our translations are versions of the original text mm-hmm. now some are you can argue that some are a little bit better translations than others some are literal mm-hmm. some are more um, figurative language when it comes to it, mm-hmm. um, but they're all not translated. We don't translate an NIV from an ESV. An NIV is still translated originally from the Greek and Hebrew, mm-hmm. just like the ESV or just like whatever else type of translation. I think a lot of people think that it's like this thing where it gets retranslated over and over and over again, but mm-hmm. it's it's not the case. It just it's a direct from the original text of the Greek and Hebrew. Okay, so would you say that the the Bible needs a second witness? As far as what? 
as far as to to authenticate itself. To authenticate itself. Um, no, I, absolutely not. Um, I, 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 every absolute authority is self-authenticating. Um, if I was to say to you, "I'm the strongest man in the world," mm-hmm. um, and then you know, uh, not lift and then not lift anything, um, I, I would I would make the argument that the uh the i have to be self-authenticating i can't look over and say uh how, how, how um and you say how do you know and i say well well Sethu knows you know mm-hmm. i'm not going to appeal to him i'm just, you have to believe me and take my word for it i have to be self-authenticating the bible is self-authenticating when jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life okay assume that's true i believe in jesus he's the way the truth and the life then he says in john 17 show them uh sanctify me by your truth your word is truth and then he says um, uh, my words shall no means pass away. Now, for people who subscribe to the possibility that the words to the Bible has been corrupted would make Jesus a liar by saying, oh, the words did pass away. Mm-hmm. He, 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 what you said, Jesus, there was not true. They did pass away, and we lost what, what was in there, but he says, my words will no means pass away. So, you know, and so he says, your word is truth. So I look at the Bible and I say, okay, this is all true. And then I come to the Book of Mormon, and I read some things in there, and I start judging the Book of Mormon not by my personal experience, but by what the Bible says. And I look at things when it says, you know, if you come across a false prophet, if what he says is not true, and, and I'm sure you guys have probably heard about this one, maybe you haven't, but, you know, I look at the Book of Abraham. And, and, and the, the, if, if you forgive my term, but the fiasco that's surrounding that document, um, when Joseph Smith said, hey, that's that's a book of Abraham over there. I'm going to buy it. Let's buy it. So mm-hmm. they bought it. He translated it. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the story. Yep. I'm sure you are. Um, fiasco or miracle? Coincidence, maybe? Uh, I, I would argue it was a fiasco in this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you can respond, obviously, here. But, um, you know, when we look at the, uh, when we look at the Egyptology, and we, we study, the, uh, uh, from what I read, I was looking at this uh, last night, the book of Abraham has nothing to do with Abraham. It, uh, from what the Egyptologists are saying, even I've seen Mormon apologists say this, it has nothing to do with Abraham. It has to do with an Egypt funeral. And what Joseph Smith identified as gods were actually funeral urns. Uh, what, what Joseph Smith apparently identified as a black Negro slave was the, um, was the god Anubis. You know, and, and, and I, I have so far, I, I've even the most extreme Mormon apologist... I have not seen come to his defense, but the best defense I've seen so far is, well, the Book of Abraham isn't that important anyway. It's all about the Book of Mormon, you know. And and if it's true that Joseph Smith lied about, I interpret this correctly, and that that makes him a false prophet in my book. And and, and if you guys can prove to me, hey, it was what he said it was, that you know, then I have to reconsider. So you go ahead. Your thoughts on that, Smith? So. We're back to when you said uh, it doesn't matter unless the Book of you know it depends on the Book of Mormon. Right. The reason it depends on the Book of Mormon is because if the Book of Mormon is true, mm-hmm. it testifies of Christ, which means it's another testament, another witness that Jesus Christ is the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Yes. Also, if the Book of Mormon's true, that means that Joseph Smith translated it, mm-hmm. and that what he said was true. Okay. And that the the church that he restored in. Uh, in 1830 was God's original or God's restored church here on earth. Yes. Preparatory to the second coming of the Messiah. Okay. So that's why it comes down to the Book of Mormon. Okay. If if you knew the Book of Mormon was true, mm-hmm. then everything afterwards, it's not blind faith. 
but you have a sure knowledge that the Book of Mormon is true, therefore Joseph Smith was a prophet. And okay. that's why we're so so reliant on on prayer and the Holy Ghost. Yes. There's a scripture at the end of the Book of Mormon, the, the last guy to write in it, the last prophet, his name is Moroni. Yes. At the very end, he's basically wrapping up his words, and he he's puts him in Hill Cumora, and uh, he says, And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. And he exhorts the people who, who read it to ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. Mm-hmm. If he shall ask with, with three things, a sincere heart, real intent and having faith in Christ, mm. he will manifest the truth of it unto you. So okay. we're not scholars. We're not the greatest teachers. You know, we're, we're 19. Right. We come out here because we have a testimony of these things. Yes. And I, I truly do believe that this book is ancient scripture and Joseph Smith was a prophet. Okay. I mean, but I mean, as far as the, the veracity of the book of Abraham and his interpretation, what do you think about that? Do you think he actually interpreted correctly or do you think yes, that it doesn't matter? Correctly. Okay. And, 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 and uh, so, I mean, I, I look at that and I say, I, I have people here saying he didn't, and mm-hmm. they have proof that he didn't because they're looking at the Egyptology and saying this has done that up. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about that? Um, they don't know what they're doing. Okay. E- even the Mormon apologists? Because I, I've seen the Mormon they, Egyptologists. They say it's, it's not true. Yeah. Then uh, they're from... not a member of our church. If anything, they were Mormons and are denying the faith. Okay. All right. All right. That's understandable. I get you. Okay. Um what was I going to say? I think I had another quote here by Joseph Smith I wanted to get your thoughts on. Okay. Uh, how would you say for you how important prayer is? It's extremely important. Yeah? Yeah. So um, Luke was telling us last time about uh, about the Matrix. You are talking about the Matrix yes. and about... Uh, how you can't rely on your senses, but how do you know when, when the Holy Ghost is manifesting things unto you? Uh, it's not necessarily a knowledge. It's a faith. Okay. I would argue that. Um, okay. a, a lot of times, uh, it's a realization. I, I think for a lot of people, it's a realization of past events. It's not like a like a, suddenly it turns on and then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I'm understanding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some people that happens for, but most of us, it I think it happens where you start reading and you start understanding. Then you start to realize that uh, as you read the Bible that um, I'm not reading this because my brain is telling me it's true. I'm reading this because the Holy Spirit is telling me it's true. I, I think the realization of the Holy Ghost comes what, uh, for many people comes after um, you've put your faith in the Scriptures and in God and in Jesus. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've heard it explained as like um, there's like three ways you could say. Like uh, turning on a light instantly. Mm-hmm. Yes. That happens super rarely. Like some people are like, ah. I know it's true, right? Yes. I know something. Yes. But uh, a lot of the time, it's like a sunrise. You know, mm-hmm. you, you see the sun and it starts to go up, and you're like, oh, you know, that's pretty good. But you don't really know that it's it's a sunrise until like midday, and you're like, whoa, like when did that happen? Yes. You know, when the sun goes down, it's yes. like 20 minutes, it's gone. Uh-huh. And the third would be like a foggy day where it's very foggy, but you know the light's there. It's like a, it's a sunny day, but it's really foggy. So you know what, what's ahead of you is light. So as you walk that way in this path of faith, mm-hmm. As you keep walking that way, you can tell when you're about to hit a wall because it gets dark. You can't see the wall, but you know it's dark there. Right. And so you continue in the path of light. Right. So with the Book of Mormon, in order to know it's true, like we said, you know, put your put your faith, try your faith, see if the Book of Mormon is true by going into it, reading it, mm-hmm. praying and asking God. And if it's if it's light still, you know, keep going on that path. Yes. But if you see a dark wall, either turn around or 
maybe there's another way that you're not looking. Okay, is there an objective standard I can appeal to, or do I have to appeal to my subjective experience? <laughs> um, I mean, because the I come across Muslims and they say the same thing. I read mm-hmm. in the Quran that God is God, and that Muhammad is his prophet, and that Jesus was a good guy, but he wasn't. But he wasn't God. And, and I say, how do you know that? And they say, well, I have a good experience about it. You know, mm-hmm. they they say the same thing. You know, and I, and I look at the Muslims. And I'd say the Mormons would disagree with you. And I'm looking at you guys saying, you know, the, the, the Muslims uh, uh, the Muslims disagree with the Mormons. And they both appeal to a personal experience. Mm-hmm. So which one do I believe? Which one is more legitimate? You know, how do I know which, how do I know that their experience is not legitimate, but yours is? You got to try it for yourself. So I have to experience it. You have to experience it. There's I can't no, just. There's no objective standard. Yeah, I can't just tell you to. Okay. You know, something you have to experience it yourself. Like swimming, I can't be like, all right, this is how you do it. Go yeah. do it. And that's where truth is. Truth is in your personal experience then. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. And, and yeah, that's that's I mean, a major a major hang up that I have uh with Mormonism is that the the emphasis on experience. You know, that that to me um, I, I've seen many people justify themselves. I mean, can we talk I mean, I know you guys disagree with this just like I do, but the transgender movement. I feel like I'm a woman when I'm a man. I mm-hmm. feel it. And I say, no, you're not. And I appeal to an objective standard, science, X and Y chromosomes, saying, no, you kids can't be. And they say, it doesn't matter what the objective standard is. I feel like I'm a woman. You know? And, 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 and I say, that's because you're appealing to subjective feelings. And if, the, if that is how we determine what truth is, subjective feeling, then truth can be whatever I make it out to be because as long as I feel good about it. And you guys both know, like, if I was to say, hey, Silu, I'm going to uh, going to commit adultery, what would you say to me as far as, like, getting me to stop? Yeah, I would tell you to stop. Okay, and what, what would you appeal to? What would you say, stop, because why? Because of the Ten Commandments. Because of the Ten Commandments. Why didn't you say, stop, because I had a good feeling about it? I said no, because it is, you know, those are laws made by God. Right. Why did you appeal to Scripture? Because that's... This is how we know. This is. Uh, well, I words. thought we knew because we had a personal experience. Yes. Of the scripture. Well, which one is it? I think it's one in hand. Okay. Can I come to faith in Mormonism in the Book of Mormon without the Bible? Yes. You can. Okay. But so, so it is ultimately. Do, 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 do we even need the Bible then? Yes, of yes, course. Then where does the Bible come into play in in this salvation in the so in the in the, in the were, transmission of truth? If you were to just read the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. you would hear about the ancient history of america and in there it talks about in the very beginning lehi leaves from jerusalem and he's like everybody's wicked over there and that's that's why you hear for a little bit about what's happening in jerusalem right and so if you were just to read the book of mormon you hear some prophecies as people are over in jerusalem there's prophets and apostles and christ comes and people know that and like if you didn't have the bible you'd be like oh what's happening over there you know there's this jesus christ being who's who's dying for himself somehow like what is that about so the bible is very important in the aspect of we have the four gospels where we can learn about christ's life and ministry right where he that's something that's not specifically in the book of mormon right therefore after he's resurrected he he comes up to america he he's resurrected being glorified there's an account of him coming into the book of mormon into the ancient americas right manifesting himself and teaching a lot of the same things Mm -hmm. all the same things yes and so in this scripture at the same time it teaches about Christ, I fully believe if we didn't have the Bible, it would be pretty tough to know Christ. Okay. 
If but if the, if the scripture really is fallible, how can you trust any of it? From what it says, from anything, uh, how can you trust it any more than a high school textbook or something like that? You know, written by someone. If it really is fallible, mm-hmm. um, what's to keep? And, and you see that now because people do believe it's fallible. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see and you see the 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 different problems that happen because of that. Mm-hmm. You you get into because that to me is no more than it's no different than being just a regular humanist of just saying, I'm just going to do what feels right. There, there it really is no objective standard. The Bible's fallible. We can't appeal to it. Yeah. We can't appeal to any of it if it is. None of it. If 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 one part's wrong, the whole thing's wrong. It ha- and so how can we even though it may be in your view maybe a good just historical book or it reveals certain things if it can't be trusted, then it doesn't reveal those things. We can't trust it to reveal those things yeah, about uh, Christ. Yeah. And when I when I brought up the example of adultery and and Sella, you you correctly threw me to the Ten Commandments saying you shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what we can say that as Christians. Yeah, and I can say that, but but if I'm a Mormon, I could say, well, I feel really good about this. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you say, well, the Bible says so, and you say, and I can come back right and say, hey, well, it's fallible. How do we know that that's true? You know, and that's a major problem I have. But the, but the Book of Mormon is not fallible, so we must appeal to that. Well, so, okay, go ahead. On, Sorry, on top go ahead. of that, you said uh, through, the, through the Bible we know the Ten Commandments, and we have to see if they're infallible. Or if, you know, if it's perfect. Yes. Where we do believe the Ten Commandments are. And just like Elder Selu said, like, I would only say that, well, because it's a it's a commandment from God. You know, okay. the people, time of Moses, right. Moses went up to the mountain. I forget what mountain it was, Mount yes. Sinai or something. Yeah. So he went up there, received the Ten Commandments, came down. It was like, you know, a little stormy up there. Right. He comes down with two tablets, and he's like, hey, you got to follow these. And I was right. like, what? They're, and they're, what are they doing? They just build a calf and they're yeah. worshiping it. Yeah. What does yeah. he do? He throws yeah. them down and he's like, ah, I'll just go, you know, chip out two more. Right. Comes back down. Right. You know, like that's easily to be seen. But for them, what did they have to do to know if the Ten Commandments were true? Did they have to have an experience to where they're like, you know, I know that Moses is a prophet. You know, I listen to him. Something good turned out of it. And not just something good, but something that I knew was truth. I, I'm, I'm here to make the argument that, that most of the... Uh, uh, Israelites did not believe, even after all the experiences they had. And um, why is that? Uh, because in Psalms it says, um, it says, for forty years I put up with that that generation, that wicked generation. Mm-hmm. Forty years I loathed them. They were a stiff-necked people. They did not believe the Lord. They were unfaithful. That's why they stayed out. Right? Obviously, you know this. But I, I'm 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 making the case here that I don't think more than maybe fifteen percent. Uh, just throwing a ballpark number out there. Yeah, fifty yeah. percent of them were actually even faithful. Uh, because of how much they just turned there, as soon as they 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 got out of a situation, they went right back in. The majority of them were unfaithful. Even after all the experiences, they saw God. They mm-hmm. saw the the pillar and uh, fire by day. They saw the cloud by night. They still didn't believe. And uh, and that's a, I think that's a damning case against personal experience because you and I uh, we, we we haven't seen the cloud. We haven't seen the fire. Yet we still believe. And and I'm I'm making the case that even with all the experience in the world, we have something that's even more true and more something that points more to God than in our personal experiences, and that would be the Bible. As as like when I said to you guys on Thursday, that Peter said, like I said, Peter says that we were on the mountain, we saw Jesus, um, we saw Jesus transfigured, we we heard the voice saying, "This is my beloved Son," and then he says, "But we have the more sure uh, word." 
He said, I saw, I had the experience. I had the personal experience. But you know what's better than my personal experience? You know what I'm appealing to? Because for the rest of the Bible, Peter doesn't say, believe me or listen to what I'm saying because I had that experience. He's saying, listen to me because the Bible's true. Listen to the Bible. Listen to what I'm saying. So, I mean, the, the, the Israelites, I'm, I'm arguing, is a, is a damning case against personal experience, of which I do not put uh, trust in as far as what truth is. Now, I, I, like I said before, if I experience ice cream and it, it tastes good, mm-hmm. Then, then it's good to me. There are some things where experience comes into play. But as far as objective truth, because I could say ice cream is good for me, but it's not good for you. So that's not objective truth. It's subjective at that point, right? So if I'm going to make an appeal and I say to my friends, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and they say, well, that might be true for you. I'm like, it doesn't matter what's true for me and what's, uh, you know, what doesn't matter at this point. This is not a subjective truth. This is objective truth. Whether you experience it or not, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, is is the argument I'm making against Mormonism there? Uh, the um, f- uh, I, final I, thoughts. We're we're at uh, forty eight yeah, minutes. More for everybody too. Um, yeah. Um, tell you I know, what. You, this you is my this final is my thoughts. Thing. Yeah. My um, I guess yeah. Final thoughts. Give your thought of thoughts so um, and we'll just wrap it. I up. guess my final thoughts are why are we even discussing Ten Commandments in Old Testament? Uh, I don't think we can even appeal to it or even get there if this thing is fallible. How? Why? Why even? It's like well, they're commandments by God. Yeah, but but they might not be. Because they're written by some dude that we don't really know if it really existed. Because mm-hmm. who knows? It was written by man, translated or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. over. Uh, how can we even even begin to have a discussion right. about whether Moses even existed? Yeah, that's true. Uh, if if it's before valuable. even getting into anything else that we're talking about. Right. Um, if it truly is a fallible book, it can't even be trusted with stories like that. Is I guess my I bet that's almost I know we're out of time but anyway, uh, Smith, you go ahead. You're looking through your Bible there. Yeah. So in the Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon. Uh, sorry. Yeah. You know you're good. I was reading through the scripture this morning where it's talking about two witnesses. Is Christ in John eight seventeen talks about how he's not the only witness but his father also. Yes. And uh, later on in John seventeen he talks about uh, or Ezekiel thirty seven mm-hmm. talks about. Ezekiel saying that there will be the two sticks, stick of Joseph, stick of Judah, two different nations, but they shall one run together in, in thy hand. Okay. And in Second Nephi chapter three, it, it says this is um, is Nephi, sorry Nephi. Yes. And he's talking to his last born in the wilderness. He says, "Wherefore the fruit of thy loins shall write." And the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, and that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and also of that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah, shall grow together unto the confounding of false doctrines, and laying down of contentions, and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, and bringing them to the knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, and also to the knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, as both of those sticks are important, Ezekiel talks about how important it is to have the stick of Joseph and yes. the stick of Judah. Yes. Where we believe that the stick of Joseph from Ephraim, from Ephraim is the Book of Mormon. Yes. And that the tribe, uh, the stick of Judah is the Bible. Okay. And that both of them together. Okay. Why Why are you appealing to a, a fallible book? Why Why are you making appeal to a fallible book that could be wrong? The The Book of Mormon. No, no like no, no, Ezekiel. No, no. The Book of Mormon, according to you, is 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 infallible. I'm yeah. talking about we're talking about Ezekiel. Like, why Why are you explaining to me that this part of Scripture is true? Um, how do we know? And they that go that hand part? in hand. You said right, but right, one's fallible, hand. one's not. One's fa- how do I, How why is 
Joseph Smith or anybody making the case that, okay, the Bible's infallible, but this part is true. How, how, what is his standard to say, I know this is true because why? Because, I mean, I, obviously, I believe that mm-hmm. Ezekiel is true. I believe all of the Bible is true, 100%. Right. But I don't believe, uh, if, if you, mm-hmm. uh, Smith, say the Bible is fallible, why are you making an appeal to something that could be wrong? Because it says it in the Book of Mormon. Because it says it in the Book of so, Mormon. So if there was like a robbery, something happened, there were two people, one person was, let's say, a prophet, and that he wrote down what he saw, knew it was inspired, and he has the 100% truth, mm-hmm. puts it in the ground, doesn't mm-hmm. let anybody find it. Mm-hmm. Because he was, he's commanded to for some reason, and then like twenty years down the line, this dude kept kept his paper, and it was like rotting old. Somebody else, you know, like saw the paper and wrote on another paper what it was. As I'm trying to make this the Bible in the Book of Mormon, where right twenty years later they want to bring this case back up. They take the the new paper of the the guy who's been passed down mm. to where they look at it and they're like, okay, so this is this is what we know what happened there. And right. somebody comes up with that they said, you know, I was told of god that this paper was from this robbery brings it together you can see what's true in the bible because you can trust that the 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 paper put in the ground was true okay so you're you're, again goes back to your uh your case that we need to reinterpret scripture in light of the book of mormon yes okay all right uh say go ahead i'm sorry were you done with your last thoughts there smith yeah okay so yeah so most definitely the book of mormon is is important to you know mormonism Mm -hmm. it's what our church is built off of right and everything rests upon the book of mormon you can throw any questions at it and you know whether it's true or not that's it is true Mm -hmm. and i've come to know that from a subjective experience subjective experience okay yes and you know i know it's true because of that Mm -hmm. and if the book of mormon is true then joseph smith is a true prophet of god Mm -hmm. and what he's you know, all his teachings, all the things that he's done has been inspired by God. Okay. And so if the Book of Mormon is not true, then, you know, Joseph Smith is not a prophet. These things will go completely south. You know, mm-hmm. our church is fake. Right. But I'm here to tell you that the Book of Mormon is true. Look, Book of Mormon is true. The only way that you can come to know that, the way that, you know, many of the Mormon faith have come to believe it, is because we've prayed about it. And that's what we invite everyone to do. Even in the first couple of pages of the Book of Mormon, we we pray and to know it's true. Mm-hmm. And whatever the Holy Ghost tells you is true, then that that would be your answer. Then, then that would be your answer. Again, the appeal to subjective experience and in, in finding out what truth is. If I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, so I don't want to misrepresent you there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, for our friends from all the way from Utah, uh, Smith is going to go home in five uh, months. Five months. He's looking forward to it. <laughs> going to listen to some classic rock. And uh, Salu, you got 22 the months. Family left. business has been failing without him. <laughs> <laughs> Salu, you got 22 months left, my friend, to uh, to to establish many wonderful encounters of the good people of the United States, if you will. Again, my, my, my closing thoughts are, uh, you know, from from um, the evidence presented about Joseph Smith, the things that he said, they go against my objective truth source, not my subjective truth source, but my objective truth source would be in the Scripture. If the Bible says certain things and Joseph Smith comes along and says, no, wait a second, we need to go back and look at it again, 
um, and, and reinterpret to such a point that the Jesus Christ of the Bible is not the Jesus Christ of, of the Book of Mormon, since the Book of Mormon teaches that uh, Jesus Christ is Lucifer's brother. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that, um, you know, John 1, um, without him nothing that was uh, made has been made. So Jesus Christ created everything, including Lucifer. And if that's true, then the Book of Mormon, I'm making the argument that the Book of Mormon is preaching a different Christ than what the Bible teaches. I know there's many Mormons out there who disagree with me with that, I understand, but my objective truth source is the Scriptures. It's not the Book of Mormon. So I, I have to conclude that from our discussion tonight that the Book of Mormon is teaching a Jesus Christ that is not consistent with Scripture. And that's scary to me because I, I, I don't want you guys, obviously, to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. But I want to I want to uh, encourage you guys to read uh, Isaiah forty three through forty six and Romans three through five, dealing with who God is in the first place, since we disagree with who God is, and secondly, um, the justification uh, by faith versus faith plus works. Those are my closing thoughts. Uh, thanks everyone again for listening. This has been Streetwise Theology. Be strong and courageous, my friends. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts, where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.